0: The Hawks have a winning record, but they will tell you that there's still plenty of room for improvement.
1: Protect the paint, make them score at the top, defend without fouling, rebound the basketball and that's going to hold true for really everybody we play.
0: Welcome to the Hawks Report, a new podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your host, Lauren Williams, the beat writer here at the AJC, and I'm so happy to be back. I'm feeling a lot better than I was last week. I'm sure you guys can hear the difference in my voice, but today we are going to be talking about the most recent week of basketball that we've seen from the Hawks, and uh, we've seen a lot of good things, we've seen a lot of bad things, and I think we're starting to see who this team can be, and how this team will get itself into the playoffs. Before we get into that, we have a guest joining us today. We have Andrew Lopez from ESPN. He recently wrote an article about Trey and DeJounte and the unlikely pairing that the two of them make in the Hawks' backcourt. This is the Hawks' report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
2: Ocean Breeze
0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, everyone. We are joined today by ESPN's Andrew Lopez. Uh, Andrew, you know, did a really great piece on how Trey and DeJounte are acclimating together and what's that. And what that's been looking like and and we're really excited to have a national writer on this show again so andrew welcome
1: uh thank you for having me i am only here because your producer begged me to show up uh this is a <laughs> i'm only here because daniel sallison got on my phone and practically begged me to be on this show <laughs>
0: Well, we're, we're glad that Daniel was able to, you know, beg and plead and, and convince you. I'm, I'm sorry that I wasn't enough to, to convince you to come on. <laughs> but is, uh, no, I, Guys,
1: I used to work with Daniel in New Orleans. I, I love making fun of Daniel. This is all this is. I promise you guys.
0: No, we love it, too. I don't make fun of Daniel on the show, but anytime, I guess we can have a, a national guest do so at Daniel's expense. Daniel, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But anyways... Uh, you know, Andrew. We're you know we've been able to see a few games, well more than a few games, of what Trey and Dejounte have been looking like as you know the supposed to be formidable backcourt duo. And and I feel like it's kind of taken them a few games to get comfortable with each other, get things under their belt, and they're by no means perfect yet. But I feel as though we're starting to see the potential of this backcourt as a threat. I mean. You know, against the Pelicans, DeJounte pulled off a triple-double. Trey dropped 34 points without even having to to shoot a three-pointer. So from your perspective, what what is the biggest surprise of these early nine games with DeJounte and Trey running that backcourt?
1: It's probably that it's clicking so early. And it, I thought it was going to take a little bit more time to figure out when uh, the piece you're mentioning that we ran on ESPN.com, I, I guess over the weekend, that was after I talked to those guys in Birmingham. That was really, they had played, what, at, at that point, two preseason Super, games
0: yeah, together, three. maybe three. Two, um, two. You're right. It, you're right. Dira- yeah, DeJounte missed that Right, because they
1: were, right. right. So, yeah, because yeah. it was after the, the Abu Dhabi trip. And mm-hmm. so they hadn't had much time to play together. And that's when you started to see, like, okay, maybe this will take a little bit while. And I think the thing that stood out to me was In that press conference, Nate was saying how he was trying to figure these guys out more than anything else. And when you have a new player thrown into something like that, it it takes a while, especially with Trey, who has been so ball dominant throughout his career. Deshante, who was very ball dominant when he was with San Antonio. okay, how do how do we do this? And I think one of the things that I saw, I think it was in the first regular season game, Trey might have had four or five catch and shoot three-point opportunities um, and I mentioned in the story last year he had 77 in 76 games or whatever it was it was it was basically one a game um, and now he's he starts off with four right away and it's like okay there's this new thing but then he kind of started to settle into old Trey for the next three or four games and it wasn't until really I think at Probably the New Orleans game would be right before that one that he started to get, get those numbers back up. So these guys are still figuring out each other and while also still being the players that we know they them to be. Trey's averaging nine, you know, twenty-eight and nine. DeJounte is I don't think he'll hit the 29 twenty-nine, eight, two line that he hit this year, but so far he's at twenty-two, eight, six, two, uh, you know, and pushing for the lead league and steals again. So they're trying to figure out how to to do this in you know, with shortened training camps now, with uh, a, they even had one less preseason game because of uh, because of the Abu Dhabi trip. So it, you're seeing them in real time try to figure it out, and that's that's kind of been fun to watch so far.
0: And I think with them being the pros, pros that they are, and Dejounte has said it himself that it's not about the two of them figuring out. He's always put it back on the Atlanta Hawks, and it's about the yes. Atlanta Hawks. Figuring it out, but I think for them to be the backcourt that that they envision themselves to be, I think we need to see kind of Trey step back a little bit more. And I and I think in, in some instances he's, as you've mentioned, relied kind of on his old habits of going into a bit of a hero ball mentality and sometimes forgetting that Dejounte is right there. But I think the Pelicans game was the first time that we really saw Trey say. And, and maybe even the Knicks game too, before the Pelicans game, uh, where we saw a saw Trey be like, okay, I, I actually have a backcourt partner who can help generate this offense because I think between the two of them over these last two games, they're averaging about uh ten or eleven assists per game. And and that's what you would love to see from a backcourt with both of these guys' talents. So as far as the holes that they kind of need to address and fix and figure out what do you anticipate them needing to do to kind of improve and and continue to build chemistry with each other
1: i think it's more just it's a lot of trey trusting Dejounte. i mean he has mm-hmm. been the guy for years and the, the ball has always been in his hands and i think you know to that Knicks game you mentioned that DeJounte mm-hmm. had a you know season high 36 in that game Partly because, you know, Trey, Trey
0: couldn't, got yeah, injured. Yep. He couldn't see.
1: Yeah. And yep. so, but I think it showed him in the moment of like, hey, if something happens to me, I, 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 I can see it, how he directs a team and things like that. And you always know because they've played against each other for years. You know what kind of a guy DeJounte is. One thing he told me in that story was, you know, DeJounte is pretty much good at everything. I mean, he he, <laughs> he can do everything you want on the court, and mm-hmm. that was his chance to actually see it, to see how it went down. And I think that was kind of a big step. And then we saw in that Pelicans game, both of them kind of start to play to their strengths a little bit. Uh, we got You got back to seeing the DeJounte that the Spurs remember of coming out with a triple-double, being able to, to dominate with his passing and do all this. You saw Trey – in the third quarter, basically realize, oh, wait, they're in the bonus. It's five and a half minutes left. I'm going to the hole every time and I'm going to shoot, you know, so many free throws. And take
0: advantage of, yep, of contact.
1: And Mm -hmm. so they're figuring out each other's little quirks. And I think as much as you can see that on film, as much as you can see that on a scouting report, those two have to see it in a game. And I think that's where we're starting to uh, see those guys develop right now. And I think, right now we still see Trey kind of figuring out i think the spacing side of things how to exactly how he needs to be playing off the ball where to be on these catch and shoot opportunities again uh you know he's shot 46 or 48% on those catch and shoot threes a season ago not as high right now those numbers i think they're around 32 or 33 but you expect that to go back up as they learn You know, just little things about where to be, because again, both guys have been so ball dominant. I think DeJounte has played a little bit more off the ball in his career. Trey, obviously not so much. And I think that's where uh, the growth needs to happen with these two.
0: And I think what's interesting watching these two is that DeJounte has been the guy that this team can rely a little bit more on to knock those shots from deep down just because Trey's still as you mentioned, figuring out the spacing issue and also still trying to get his legs back under him. I don't think I would have had DeJounte shooting 36% from three on my bingo card if you'd asked me at the beginning of the season. So if if he if he can continue to shoot at the volume that he is, which is about five attempts per game, and, and then Trey gets his legs under him and is knocking down shots at the rate that he's usually doing so, which is around 38%, I mean, this backcourt is really going to be that pick your poison backcourt that they advertised it to be
1: right. And we've seen Trey's numbers kind of go in. He's had good games. He's had bad games. And I think it's all, you know, it's going to come. Like he is going to settle in at 36, 37, 38% and he'll be fine. That is what Trey has done, uh, throughout his career. So I'm not worried about Trey's Trey's numbers, uh, you know, being low, uh, being at 36 and staying at that is, is very important because now you, uh, you know when you have DeAndre out there who has shown that he can hit that corner shot, you have John Collins out there who can shoot. Whenever you have an offense with a Clint Capella, it's going to be important to have four other guys out there who can, who you can't sag off of and you can't help and know that you can pull a guy away from somebody else and double off on Trey. And I think that's what we've seen in years, and that's why I think, you know, when Bogey was you know in the lineup and he was shooting it so well, that's why things work there uh, so much. But. For DeJounte, DeJounte hitting at 36 is going to be key because if he can continue to do everything else that he is doing so far, which has been a lot, which is everything, which is what he grew into uh, over the last couple of years, the fact that he's able to hit it at that percent, um, you know, he was what, 30, 32, 32, 32 seven last, year. last yeah. year, 31 the year before that. it's 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 not something that has been a part of his repertoire. If he can do it, especially at the volume, like you said, the volume that he is at right now, it just makes this backcourt even more dangerous and, to me, helps solidify it as probably the best backcourt in the East.
0: Even over the Cavs with Garland and, and I Mitchell? I think
1: right now, I just I okay. think because DeJounte's <laughs> defense. Uh, I'm going to take okay. DeJounte's defense right now, but they are, it's certainly, I think those guys are in the conversation, a healthy Harton and Maxie are in that conversation. Um there were some other teams that maybe could have put themselves in that conversation early in the season, but we don't know what's happening right. uh, yes. with, with those squads right now. But <laughs> I think it's between those three. And I, yeah. I mean, I think it's because of DeJounte's defense right now. Um, I think with the Cavs, you you have a little bit of, of, of more help. I think a lot of that comes from, Oh, I can let somebody go by because I have Evan Mobley and Jared Allen back there. That's it's okay. Whereas, you know, and, and nothing, nothing, Take away uh, anything away from JC or or Clint or, or Onyeka or anybody, but um, Deshante's on-ball defense has been great. His his obviously the way he plays the passing lanes. Is he is the was a league leader in steals last year. So um, I think that is kind of you know they can if they continue to grow on this you know trajectory and he's hitting at that rate. I think you can you can very you know you can make that argument and uh, I think a lot of people may agree with you.
0: Yeah, well right now they're um and I when I say they the Hawks are fourth in the East. I believe the Cavs are second. Um yes. I, I can't remember off the top of my head who's third, but I mean I think the this is a Hawks are spot. tied with with Boston. Okay. Um so, right so I think they're in three. a pretty good Exactly. So it's it's I think they're in a really good spot where they are now. I mean they they face the Bucks tonight who of course are undefeated and i, I think this is going to be another perfect test for this backcourt i mean the last 3 games or last uh 5 games that they've had um uh, Milwaukee Toronto which we know the Toronto game was kind of a oh <laughs> oh my god what happened there um uh the Knicks game uh, la- uh Saturday's game against the Pelicans and now again against the Bucks i think they're finally settling into the team that We have expected them to be or expect them to be um, because obviously the first uh, four games that they played or the first four opponents that they played weren't exactly teams that were supposed to be contending in the playoffs, um, whereas now they're going to be facing some tough opponents. So, I mean, how as they continue to face these tougher, more experienced opponents, how do you anticipate them continuing to use their supporting cast, especially as you mentioned, JC, uh, DeAndre and Clint?
1: Yeah, you. We talked, and I think it was in Birmingham, and we mentioned about mm-hmm. how this schedule kind of shaped up. And if if they didn't start the season mm-hmm. four and one or five and zero, I would have a lot more questions. And of course, they start yeah. four and zero. They had you know the one stinker against Charlotte. Yep. And then obviously Milwaukee and, and Toronto happened, and they bounced back. And then I think they've they've gotten to to bounce back and be where they are. And I think uh, this is kind of what you kind of saw the last two games in in New York and in New Orleans is exactly like mm-hmm. to your point, what you thought they were going to be um, maybe collapse against the, the Pels late, not, not withstanding. <laughs> <don't think> <laughs> they, they wanted right. to blow a 13 point lead in, in a matter of like three minutes or whatever, whatever that ended up being, Ugh. but they were able to come but, back. And yeah. Win. It was so, like
0: five minutes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it just, you know, so. it was, it was like, and one turnover other and yep. one steal. It was something, you know, but uh, yeah, Zion had they like have...
0: nine points in that
1: span. Yeah, Herb got a, st- it was, it was, it mm-hmm.
0: was nuts. I, a mess. I
1: was yeah. looking at, I was looking at both you and Christian Clark of NOLA.com. I was like, <laughs> haha, you got to rewrite your gamers right now. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Christian has just been begging for an easy game this year. The Pels have, have done this a lot to him. And uh, it's, it's not worked. Um, one thing I did want, I, I, I have seen, and, Obviously, Dejounte helps with this, and some numbers are inflated because it's start of the season. the The Hawks are right now 16th in the league. This is as of Monday afternoon in defensive efficiency, and I think that's kind of the bigger thing to me. Of that's the number that they need to to keep up as a team, and because when you have again, you know Dejounte is going to bring that, and that's kind of his his calling card, but a lot of the other things are going to have to come along. You're going to have to depend on uh, DeAndre to stay healthy. You're going to have to depend on J.C. and Clint and Big O, you know, the Holiday brothers, uh, as long as they don't play Drew, apparently, because apparently Drew, <laughs> Drew's numbers go to like 25 and 10 whenever he plays his brothers. Uh, it's kind of ridiculous. But you see the growth in these guys, and I think as long as – you know, you can – we've already seen Nate basically say, look, one of Trey DeJounte is going to be on the floor at all times. And I think that is key to running your offense. You're not you're not having that drop off. Obviously, whenever Bogey comes back, that's going to be another big, you know, boost to the offense. But it's on the defensive side where this team is going to have to be. And I, I look at them the same way I kind of look at, at the Pelicans. They can't have – they have the potential, and I think right now – what well, they are, 6th or 12th, I think, right now in offensive efficiency, uh, offensive rating in the NBA. They, they have the potential to be a top six or seventeen. If they can just get that defense at league average, this is a team who can go back and do what they thought they were going to be able to do last year and make some noise in the playoffs after that Eastern Conference Finals run. The defense has to be there, but it has to be – you have to have your big step up, which they're doing their job right now, but – I think DeAndre has to stay healthy, which is always going to be a big key for him so far. Uh, and if you do that and you get that that solid play from, from the Holiday Bros and Jalen and, and, you know, if A.J. gets on the, you know, is able to crack the rotation, I think those are the things that are going to carry this team uh, the rest of the year.
0: And I can definitely agree with that. Well, I'm so grateful that we were able to get your thoughts on this Hawks team and Uh, We look forward to reading more about your reporting on the Hawks when you get the chance. I know that they have you in uh, Zion territory right now, Um, but we're so grateful that, you know, you, we get your talents covering some of the other teams in this uh, Southern area down here, but where can people find you and read the rest of your stuff?
1: Uh, Always underscore Andrew underscore Lopez on Twitter or ESPN.com. I was late to the Twitter game. That's why there's a lot of underscores in there. Um, I was late to changing my name. That's what it was. I, I worked for a company that made me have their name in there and then, uh, things got a little dicey afterwards, but we'll see how that goes now with, uh, with new Twitter coming up. (laughs) Listen, I get it. I'm one of a million
0: Lauren Williamses. That's why I'm Williams Lauren L. So you're preaching to the choir there, but again, (laughs) I'm thankful for your time. And, uh, with that, thank you for coming to the Hawks report. Thank you. Thank you so much again, Andrew, for joining us. This is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
2: Ocean breeze. Tropical beach. An air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com.
0: Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I just wanted to thank everyone who has continued to listen to the podcast and has continued to read my work, as well as the rest of our reporters' work at the AJC. Now, if you aren't subscribed to the AJC, you can do so at subscribe.ajc.com and your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com so you know what's really going on. And again, I just wanted to thank Andrew again for joining us on the Hawks Report, but now we've got to get back to some Hawks business uh, of reading and answering your questions the fans questions and to do so we've got my handy dandy trusty producer daniel Sallerson joining in now to read out those questions daniel
3: yeah when you hear the music you know it's time for a mailbag and also i do appreciate andrew coming on and please ignore all the slander that he had for me at the beginning (laughs) um it's okay though i love andrew and he was a great guest for today's show as always you can follow lauren on twitter at williams lauren l every time we do a podcast make sure you tweet her some questions and so we'll start right now and we'll start with feld might delete one or the myopic cat is his twitter handle <laughs> and lauren He says, I know it's still early, but what's your pulse on the team? Six and three with a plus 0.7 net rating, played a relatively soft schedule and had some weird blowouts against the Raptors and Hornets. We've also played the Bucks and the Pels as well. Same goes for tonight and uh, a couple times in the next week. How do you view the team's progress so far this season?
0: Yeah, I'm actually going to push back a little bit on the weird blowout against Toronto. I really think that that Toronto team is a sleeper team. They've got so much length and we saw how disruptive that team can be. And I actually think that this team, that team can be a playoff team, um, if not, you know, just outside of the playoffs. So we know how competitive the Eastern conference is going to be. And we saw that with, with the Raptors. Now, as far as the team overalls performance, as you mentioned, yes, the start to the schedule was a little soft with the Rockets, Magic, Pistons. Um, but I don't, I don't think that soft schedule did this team a ton of favors with giving us an idea of where they are and what kind of team they can be. I think their, uh, matchups against the Bucks, um, the, and the Knicks, uh, uh, and the Pelicans, uh, was very indicative of what we can expect this team to be. And I think It's just getting started with how competitive it is. Um, I think that DeJounte Murray has really proven to be the X factor that this team has needed. And, um, you know, this team is still figuring itself out. I mean, even Nate uh, McMillan mentioned that he's learning that in these crunch time situations, DeJounte Murray wants to be that guy. And I think that the fact that they have – several guys on this roster that could be that guy night in and night out. We're we're starting to see that, and, and more chances than not, I'm sure we're gonna we're gonna see him go to Dejounte a little bit more when games get close. Um, now I think they still have a ton of mistakes that they need to clean up. As Andrew mentioned, they're 16th in the league in def- defensive efficiency, and we know that this team can be a lot better with the pieces that they have. We've seen some flashes um, defensively from. Jalen Johnson, we've seen some really good flashes from Nyeka we've seen Clint be Clint in that Pelicans game, and you know, we've seen DeJounte just be that stud on defense. So once they get all of those pieces clicking at the right time. Oh, and we haven't even factored in the Holiday Brothers. And you know, they, they've been they've been a little up and down, um, you know, on both sides of the ball, we can say, so we know that they're capable of so much more. So once they get all of those pieces clicking, I think that this team will be a little bit more defensively stout so that they can last a lot longer in the postseason
3: you want to talk about the schedule getting a little tougher it's the bucks and then the jazz who are eight and three as we talk right now two against the sixers another one against the hawks (laughs) and then the celtics next wednesday yeah oh sorry the bucks yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah. bucks twice
3: (laughs) sixers twice jazz and celtics Mm -hmm. in the next six so it's going to be really interesting and a, a true test to see how the hawks look when we record next week um, after this tough week for them. So next question is from wet underscore pepper JJ, which is Jalen Johnson seems to be passing the eye test. Do you and or others agree?
0: I would, I would definitely agree. I mean, in that Pelicans game, we saw, and this is not to put Onyeka Okongwu on blast, but we saw him got get put in the spin cycle by Zion on two consecutive possessions. And you know what Nate McMillan did? He switched Jalen onto Zion Williamson, and we saw that Zion slowed down quite a bit. So I think that he's earning the minutes that, we want to see from him, and I think that Nate is pleased with where uh Jalen Johnson is. I think that you know he, we want to see a lot more from him, we don't want to see him disappearing uh, when that second unit comes out. Just because I think in some of these games, um, and I'm talking kind of at the early portion of that Bucks game on Saturday, the second unit just wasn't producing nearly as much as we would have liked to see. Similarly with the Knicks game, we didn't see nearly as much as we wanted out of that second unit. It was basically Murray putting the offense on his back. And and a, a part of the reason the Raptors were able to get so far ahead, <laughs> excuse me, of the Hawks and, and build up such a, a stout lead was because the second unit wasn't producing as much as they needed this team too so I think if they can get a little bit more out of Jalen offensively that means he's getting the rebounds pushing the ball in transition and and being a disruptive force on defense I think that this team is going to be a lot stronger than what we've even seen so far but yes he is passing the early eye test
3: next one is from at flizop f-l-i-z-o-p Uh, Speaking of second unit, AJ Griffin's been getting a, a little bit of time there with the second unit, but will the Hawks give AJ some time with the G League affiliate, the Skyhawks?
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him getting some assignments with the G League, but I think because the Hawks have been missing a lot of outside shooting, he is going to get his number called a little bit more than we might expect, especially since we have no timeline on when Bogdan Bogdanovich is going to be back. And, you know, when I talked to him in Detroit, and this is Bogdan Bogdanovich, when I talked to him in in Detroit a couple weeks ago, he had mentioned that he hadn't had any setbacks. But when we talked to Nate McMillan uh, at practice on Sunday, we were told that he's doing the same thing, which is, light drills and shooting. So that to me tells me that whatever progress he'd been making up on up to when I spoke to him in Detroit, and now he's just doing shooting, that maybe there might have been a setback. And please, again, this is not me reporting that there was a setback. I don't know for sure. This is just speculation. It's just with the lack of a timetable and the fact that you know, bogey is still relegated to shooting. He hasn't really participated in any um, live play with his teammates is indicative that maybe he's not quite where they want him to be. So I think that opens up a little bit more minutes for AJ on the offensive end, especially if he can prove that he's not a defensive liability when he gets those minutes.
3: Uh, I think this is a great segue for our final question. Again, you can tweet Lauren at Williams Lauren L. Does it feel like the Hawks are lacking shooting? Or is this just waiting on Bogey to get healthy and the three-point percentage will get better? That's from at PistolPesh116.
0: Yeah, I, I do think that this team is lacking shooting. I think there was a little bit of an expectation that they might have gotten a little bit more out of Justin Holiday from outside. I, I don't think that... Um, Justin has quite lived up to the shooting expectations that people had for him when this team traded for him. I know that when they traded for him, it was mostly because of the defensive presence that he'd be able to create. And to be honest, I think he's lived up to that fairly well, um, minus that game where he was coming off a non COVID illness and got burned by Detroit bogey a couple of times, but he's only shooting 28.9% from three, which is not what you want for somebody who's supposed to be that three and D guy. Um, Jalen Johnson, last time I checked was shooting under 20% from three. So yes, the simple answer is yes, <laughs> this team is missing outside shooters. And I mean, that's not even to that. I didn't even mention the fact that Trey has been kind of cold, um, from long range. And I don't think we can expect that to last forever um, with any of those guys that I just mentioned. But it's it's definitely not a situation where they're just waiting for Bogey to return. I think there were expectations that the people that they had in the rotation would be at least serviceable um, or they're not meeting quite the expectations that this team had um, at the start of the season, especially because they knew that Bogey wouldn't be quite ready um, early on.
3: All right. Great questions from you all this week on Twitter. Again, at WilliamsLaurenL for next week, and we'll answer some more questions, hopefully with some more Hawks wins. So with that, I'll throw it back to you, Lauren.
0: Yeah, again, you know, I think this team is in a pretty good position. I'm actually pleasantly surprised that they are in the middle of the pack defensively, especially because we've, talked about the soft, quote unquote, opponents that they've had early on. But, you know, holding the Knicks to 99 points, that's a huge deal. Um, Holding the Pelicans to, I think, what, like 60 something points through the first three quarters. I mean, that's pretty, pretty good. And then they really came out swinging in the fourth. So I think this, this team has, started to show that they're heading in the right direction defensively but by no means are they perfect and we'll see that again in Monday night's matchup against the Bucks, the number one team in the league the top rated defensive team in the league so of course this episode's interview with ESPN Andrew Lopez and our mailbag was taped before Monday night's game and with that I'm gonna Throw it over to Daniel to lead us through our post-game analysis after tonight's Bucks at Hawks matchup. Daniel, take it away.
3: Thanks, Lauren. Turned out to be a fun night inside State Farm Arena as the Hawks defeat the Bucks 117 to 98. The Hawks hand the Bucks their first loss of the season, dropping Milwaukee to nine and one. Atlanta improves to seven and three. They did all this without Trey Young, who was out tonight. With an injury, DeJounte Murray, 25 points, 11 assists, 8 rebounds on 11 of 24 shooting. It was a slow start for Atlanta, getting outscored 36-25 to 25 in the first quarter. But after that, held the Bucks to 22 points in the second, 22 in the third, and 18 in the fourth. Here's head coach Nate McMillan on what he saw in the win on Monday night.
2: We got um, more aggressive in the third
1: and fourth quarter and was able to uh, beat the best team in the league tonight, Uh, playing solid basketball. Offensively, I thought we had really good movement. I made them uh, work. We were patient uh, offensively and uh, got the ball moving from side to side. And uh, we didn't settle uh, for the quick shots as we did uh, in our first game against them.
3: Well someone had to step up in Trey Young's absence tonight and that was rookie AJ Griffin. The Duke product poured on twenty-four points on ten of fifteen shooting, two of six from long range and three steals in thirty-one minutes. He's the only rookie this season with twenty more points and three or more steals.
0: Coach Mel just told me before you be ready early, you know, just you know, having that mindset, you know, just to rise to that occasion, and take the challenge. You know, that's what I that's what my dad likes to say, just take take that challenge and have that mindset to you no, know, you know you put in the work and just gotta give, you know, credit to, you know, the coaches, the, the teammates here to be able to, you know, support me.
3: Of course we gotta bring back our Hawks beat reporter Lauren Williams. Lauren, what did you see from AJ Griffin that provided that spark in the second half?
0: Yeah, Daniel, I think we can say that this was one of the Hawks's best games so far through the first 10 games of the season. I mean, they had such an amazing contribution from their bench, notably A.J. Griffin, who led the bench in scoring with 24 points, a career high for him on 10 of 15 shooting. Now, Griffin made an immediate impact when he got into the game you know creating an getting an offensive rebound and creating an opportunity for John Collins to knock down a layup which was the beginning of an 11-3 run for the Hawks that allowed them to kind of start crawling or clawing them their way back into Monday night's game now I think the biggest thing was what the bench and the rest of the starters were able to do in the second half holding the Bucks to 22 points in the third quarter and 18 points in the fourth quarter while also letting their offense click completely I mean we had a great game from Murray who scored 25 points had six rebounds or excuse me seven rebounds and 11 assists while the rest of the team were able to get in on the action because of what Murray was able to create this was definitely a uh, a strong game for the Hawks from the second through the fourth quarters and I really think we're starting to get an idea of what this team is capable of
3: all right make sure you tune into the Hawks report every Tuesday for our regular episode with Lauren giving you the stories behind the score and check out the Hawks after the game pages in the AJCE paper and online at AJC.com which is only available if you subscribe at subscribe.AJC.com slash podcast we'll be back for another episode next week until then for lauren williams i'm daniel Sallerson. this is the honks report from the atlanta journal constitution
2: ocean breeze tropical beach pina colada you can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise or better yet